to Where Brains Meet Beauty, hosted by Jody Katz, founder and creative director of Base Beauty Creative Agency. Hi, Jody. How are you? Hello, Eleni. Great to see you. You too. So our guest today really embodies our artistry theme. I, I think she told you a great story about a test she took for her perfect color eye. Yes, I love this episode. This is Kia Ragland. She's the director of product development at Kylie Cosmetics. And she actually took a test to see how well she sees color. And apparently you can have like a super eye for color. And she has one. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. That that skill must come in handy when she's coming up with new color palettes and you know, thinking about what what shades will match the best with most customer skin tones. Oh yeah, she dives really deep into this in the episode actually. And it's something that I don't know a lot about because I guess I don't have that eye because I told her how hard it is for me to shop for foundation and how stressful it is. But she also talked about her passion for going to concerts and hearing live music. And I know you recently went to some pretty amazing shows. I have. This has been the summer of concerts, but I think for a lot of people, there's been a lot of great concerts. But a very, very fun event I just did was with the Clavio team. Clavio for any Anyone who doesn't know is an agency partner of ours. They're a best-in-class tool for e-commerce, uh, SMS marketing, and reviews. And they invited me to LA in a box suite at the SoFi Stadium to see the Taylor Swift Eras Tour. And it was actually the finale night of this American leg of the tour, which was such a cool bonding experience with a bunch of their other agency partners and other people who use the platform. So we got to network in the suite and also enjoy this amazing, iconic tour with Taylor Swift. This is a genius idea. I'm so glad you yeah. got to participate. Uh-huh. It's it was such a genius idea. There were people there who weren't even Swifties, but like it's something that we've all been seeing all over social media and it was really a, a smart networking event. Okay, but you also went to see Beyonce this summer. <laughs> I did, yes. I Beyonce is like to me, she's just incredible. I absolutely love Beyonce and her performance. That was absolutely spectacular seeing all the visuals and, and being in person. It was amazing. How about you? Any summer concerts for you? Well, I just went to a K-pop show with my daughter and her friends. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was really fun. Um, the girls loved it and it was really fun fun to be in the room with so many super fans. That's awesome. Such a great summer activity. Well, let's get to this show here. This is episode 238 here at Raglan. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. We are a career journey podcast talking about what it's like to define success and reach for it in the beauty and wellness industries. Today, we continue our artistry and influencing theme with Kia Ragland, Director of Product Development and Kylie Cosmetics. As a biracial woman, she felt that she was not represented in the beauty industry, and this would allow her to be behind products that were not only meant for her skin and complexion, but for other women as well. Kia has also worked with Stila and Smashbox Cosmetics, all notable names in your makeup bag. I'm excited to get into this conversation about her career journey from makeup artist to product development, all on episode 238. Hi, Kia. Welcome to Where Brains Meet Beauty. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited about this. And I'm going to go like totally off script for a second because I was setting up for this interview and I'm looking at my desk and it is such a mess. So I'm curious, do you have like a zero inbox, like desk organization kind of system or do you let the papers pile up? Oh, no, we have so many moving pieces of looking at product constantly and we have to keep it organized so there's a, there's a full system in place even down to the labeling of every submission that comes in and how we organize all of it so that everybody can reference it especially because we travel as well for going to labs to work on formulations 
So it's great to have people to be able to pick up exactly where you're at and know where everything is. I would say we can't afford to be unorganized. So are you at your desk right now, your work desk? No, I'm not. I actually met at the workspace. The workspace, I feel like I would cause me disruptions, probably doing a live. So if I walked up to your workspace, your desk, it's not going to have like piles of books and packages that arrived and many glasses of water that are emptied. It's going to be totally tidy. Totally tidy. Maybe a bunch of packages until like the team, thank goodness, helps to open all the packages because we get way too many. But other than that, it's pretty organized and clean. And I, interesting fact, I've never really been that into pink. And I think now being at Kylie, it's like the most pink I've ever owned in my life. So all my supplies on my desk are pink and it it took time to get used to. Okay, I have a homework project for the end of the workday after my recordings. I really want to tidy up the space because it feels better to have a tidy space. Definitely. Okay, I will. feel like clear clear-minded when you start. <laughs> right. And um, I love, I usually empty, I have like all the mail pile up and then I go through it, you know, one day a week. And when I do that, it's so nice, right? The packages are gone. The piles of paper are gone. All the cords are in the right place and it makes me feel so at ease. Yeah, I, I for sure agree. Well, let's go way, way, way back. Um, we're career journey show And I think a lot of us, especially our ambitious friends, we start daydreaming about what our career is going to be like when we're kids. So go back to your 11-year-old self. What do you want to be when you grow up? You know what? It was, I don't know why I thought I wanted to be a marine biologist. I just always was really into science. I don't know why I thought marine biologist. Maybe I just thought it sounded cool. That's definitely not what I wanted to be, I learned. (laughs) Uh, But anything to do with science, I've always been very interested in science and math. So I think it kind of stemmed from me just feeling like science and math were an interest of mine. And then when I found out that I could combine both of them in beauty, I was like, this is it. (laughs) So when you went off to college, were you setting out to study marine biology? Not at all. I think that was just like a child dream that I quickly grew out of and just sounded cool for a little bit. <laughs> I I learned quickly, though, I would say around fourth grade, I started learning how to do my own hair and YouTube and TikTok and Instagram. You know, they're not they weren't even some of them weren't even around. Right. But I had really no source to really figure out how to do my hair, how to do my makeup for somebody that's biracial. And the town I grew up in wasn't very diverse. And so anytime I saw somebody that had my type of hair or anywhere I could find any resources, I always like, what did you put in your hair? How did you do your makeup? What products are you using? And it just made me start kind of experimenting at a young age and really finding a passion for it. So the time I got to high school, I found out there was an ROP program and started becoming a cosmetologist my senior year of high school. And then a few months after having my high school diploma, I had my cosmetology license And then I went to, I would say, like a certified kind of training to become a makeup artist and then found out that there was something such as product development and I could go to FITM, the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising, and study in terms of working in the beauty industry. And it just felt like everything just started kind of coming into place. And I got my Associates of Arts in the Beauty Industry of Merchandising Marketing and then the Bachelor of Science in Business Management and then just kept doing a bunch of internships along the way. And the more and more I got into the industry, the more I realized how much I loved it and how much I just absolutely loved product development. And it just felt like an aha moment, like this is where I'm supposed to be. So many of our guests during this artistry theme have actually in their high school years 
started to get their cosmetology license. And I think that's so cool because, I mean, a lot of us in high school, like, we really are rudderless, <laughs> you know, and clueless. And I love hearing from so many talented artists that they pursued it so early on, right? They didn't flounder in, you know, I don't know, automotive industries or I don't know, whatever, any industries and then find their way. Like, they, it was in their heart and there were people around them that were saying, like, go for it, do it. And they were able to make that happen. And I love hearing that. And, you know, by the way, we consider product development artistry here. So I love that you started with your cosmetology license. That's so cool. So uh, let's talk about um, product development because we actually haven't had a lot of guests on their show in 238 episodes that have been product developers. I'm like only two others come to mind. And I think for um, a lot of people in our industry, especially people starting out, they really don't understand this facet of the business. You know, everyone thinks of marketing or sales or, you know, supply chain. But can you just give us a little background on like what actually you're doing every day in your job? I mean, how much time do we have? <laughs> There's so much that product developers do where we take everything from concept to market with all the cross-functional teams. And we work very hand in hand with a wide range of teams that all have their own expertise and specialties as well. But for us specifically, we really work on creating the product, coming up with the ideas, and then kicking it off and starting to work with manufacturers to really start formulating those products. And then at times, we'll be in office and we'll be evaluating maybe submissions that come through the mail, the formula, the shades, and we create everything from the scent, the texture, the color, all of that with the manufacturers. And then when we get to the place of being within the timeline of either lab or first production, depending on timing, we'll then go to the lab or wherever we're creating that formula and we'll work with them to really get it to the place of where we feel it's approvable to start launching it and for them to run it in mass production. And we travel anywhere from Asia, Italy, Canada, New York to go and work at these manufacturers in the labs. So let's talk about color, right? This is a cosmetics product development role. So color is a significant part of it. Yes. You've talked about having the perfect color eye. What does that mean? So I've been tested for how you see color and it, it's this interesting test where they give you uh, three to four different ranges of colors. And it starts, let's say, from a green to one side to a red on the other side. And then there's little tiny nuances of each shade kind of, of creating a gradation from one to the other. And you have to be able to put it in order. And you do that for the few ranges that there are. And when you get a 100% match, you're considered to have a perfect color eye. So that's something that I feel was like an interesting fact that I took the test and I found out that I have a perfect color eye and that it does take time. Like eventually you can see the difference. Most people, I would say you can see the difference if a color looks off, but it's getting to that specialty of noticing like the slight little the tiniest nuances, especially when you work on complexion items of concealer and foundation of really getting those right to say, you know, it needs a little bit more red or it needs a little bit more yellow or maybe a little bit more dirtiness for a little bit more black. And it really helps you to hone in on those skills and be quicker to make the adjustments to get to your, your key shade that's your standard. So when did you get tested? Was this when you were in school? No, it was actually outside of school because I started picking up really quickly on seeing color and being in product development. And my first job at Stila, I was doing product development packaging and then I was helping in QA sometimes. And I started noticing that color was coming really easy for me. I was able to see it. I was able to adjust it. So then I kept 
people kept telling me like, wow, your color eye is so good. Your color eye is so good. So when I found out there was a test for it, I just went and took it myself because I was just out of curiosity. I figured might as well, might as well be able to put some type of like certificate to it. I'm thinking about my experiences like being on press. Have you ever gone on press for packaging? For like packaging? Uh, Yes, I did before when I was in my earlier years. So that's when having a perfect color, I am sure, um, came in to be very valuable, right? Evaluating, wait, this is supposed to be a purpley blue and not a yellow blue. And, you know, we have to change the mix of exactly. colors. Um, and I would imagine you're also like a retoucher's best friend when things just aren't quite right. You can probably actually right. really pinpoint how to get to the right place. So this is very challenging for most people. Um, it's very cool that you have this talent. Thank you. I don't, I would say sometimes we're a retoucher's best friend and sometimes not so much because they're like, you're killing me trying to get here with only, you know, RGB or CMYK, depending on what you're working on. So product development is, um, you're, you're responsible for, I, I like to call it the goop. I don't know. Is that like an um, industry term? What do you call the stuff inside the jar or the tube? <laughs> the, the, formula. For, the formula. So mm-hmm. You're responsible for the formula and you mentioned that it starts with concept. So how concrete or abstract does a concept need to be that you start working on it? Is it just like, I w- like the smell of the blue sky, like that's so abstract. Like, you know, where does it actually start when you're formulating a concept? I would say it's a wide range and it also kind of depends on where you're at. So if you're kind of at a big corporation, a lot of times marketing will find maybe like somewhere in the calendar that needs to be filled or things, something that they feel like, you know, this is something the brand really needs or this thing that's going to be coming that we're predicting in the trends and we need to figure out how to make it. And then as developers, we'll go and we'll work on what we feel what would be best to be able to fill that gap. Or if we go to a trade show, we might see something that inspires us or like a new raw material or a new formula base or something like that. And then it might spark a new idea for us to say, you know, this is something we should create and then we'll kick off a product brief on the key aesthetics we're looking for and what we want it to deliver. And even like our claims wish list, let's say like, we really want this to be long wearing, or we want this to be sweat proof or sweat resistant or things like that along the way. And you kind of at least kick that off in the beginning to say like, these are, these are the must haves, these are the wants, and these are really the key aesthetics we're looking for. So this is artistry, but it's also science, right? Right. And you talked about wanting to be, you know, a biologist, um, marine biologist early on. So you're kind of doing that science job. It's just a obviously different medium than studying animals. But there's so much science at play here, right? There's a lot of science at play. I'm practical developers are not scientists, at least most, most aren't. There's some people that start in research and development and then transfer into product development. But I would say overall product developers, majority of them don't have science degrees, it's more of just learning the raw materials and the pigments and the pearls along the way and working directly with the chemist and the manufacturers to create it and learning really how to speak the language, understanding how it manipulates the formula and how to really work with it and be able to speak. I would say you have to speak multiple ways. You have to be able to be able to speak to the brand and how to deliver it more to the consumer and to speak more scientific and work with the scientist to be able to create it. Okay, so let's talk about what I like to call facing the seduction of success. Um, This is a theme in the show quite often. We're in an industry that's so fun. Um, We're surrounded by ambitious people, but there's only a certain number of hours in the day, you know, even if our ambitions are much greater than 24 hours a day. As you create so much success for yourself in this industry, how do you like press a pause button or do you? Um, as you're pursuing your dreams? I don't think I ever press a pause button. 
I say I'm just so passionate in general about beauty and industry and what I do that I'm constantly trying to think of new, you know, new things to work on, new side projects. I mean, even me being here on this podcast with you, I'm literally here during my lunch break, right? On my regular job. So <laughs> it's, I'm, I'm constantly going and sometimes I'll even have thoughts at night when I'm sleeping and I'll, I'll kind of like make a mental note of it of like, this might something be cool for me to try or to look into for an idea at work or speak to the team about. And I have such an amazing team that it's great to be able to even speak to them about getting it excited over like maybe we should try this or maybe we should do that remember that one formula like what if we twist it that way or this way and it's it's a very exciting I would say role to be in that you just never get bored so let's talk about what's not boring you right now so what are the things that are inspiring you or kind of you know waking you up in an excited way in the middle of the night that you're you know really interested in pursuing I would say it's it's a full range it could it's anything from either trying to solve a problem like, let's say, for instance, I, my brows, right? Like I, I have such full brows, but they're really sparse. So every morning when I'm doing my makeup, I feel like my brows are like my biggest pain point. So I might say, what if we create this one specific type of product that makes that super easy for an easier way to apply brows for everybody? And I feel like that's probably how stencils were, were created. I still haven't been able to get myself to use a stencil. I feel like that looks too personally for me too drawn on for how big my brows are, but I would say something like that is really solving a problem or going and seeing new formulations or presentations or raw materials that are coming out in terms of innovation in this industry and being inspired by a raw material that now has a new benefit to it and wonder like, how can I get this to work in my product? Is it a cooling sensation? Is it a heating sensation? Is it like a new type of polymer that helps with like a film forming and a binding so that it can keep a shine to last longer? And then I would think like, wow, what would I really want to last longer in a high shine? Like what type of lip product would I put that in? Or can we somehow put that in a face product? Would you want that part of your face to shine that much like a highlighter? And things like that are trying to think outside the box to be first to market and create it differently than other brands do. So where do you seek out inspiration? Because, you know, we are talking about artistry, you know, seeking out inspiration from, you know, fine art, music, like this is probably something that feels a lot of people in your fills up the tank for a lot of people in your industry. What do you look to for inspiration outside of beauty? Definitely fashion. I feel like fashion is a big one. Food is a big one to look at ingredients. I would say food for ingredients, uh, fashion for maybe textures and colors, even watching shows like Euphoria, which blew everything up, right, in terms of the looks that were being created. So I think being inspired by anything from TV, movies, fashion, traveling. I love to travel. And so even when you're traveling, you might see something in another country or another culture doing something that might just inspire you for a product. So how much of your time do you spend for work using social media? Is social media a place that um, is good for your brain in this type of job? Or does it kind of clutter your brain? I would say I'm a little different than most. I'm not the best with social media. I have to admit, like, for me, I try to, I try to think more outside the box and maybe reference what's happening, what's trending, but not have that be where subconsciously you're creating it or doing it yourself. So I do try my best to be more innovative outside of social media and then come there as like a checkpoint or at least stay relevant to understand what people are liking. You know, what are the major TikTok trends that maybe you can help solve a problem for, you know, have a better way of producing it. And being the fact that we also work 
a year in advance, we have to think so forward thinking that it's hard to react in real time. So we have to really be forward thinking and what's happening. So if it's happening now, most of the time, either we were already working on it, or it's something that we're like, what can we hurry up and work on and adjust to hit this while it's still a trend? Because starting from scratch, a year later, we will no longer be relevant for that trend. That's a lot of pressure, right? To be inventing today what's going to be hot tomorrow. Does that keep you up at night? No, (laughs) it doesn't. I feel like that's the exciting part of the job. I feel like there's a lot of parts of the job that I really don't enjoy (laughs) much. And I I do all of those to do these things that are more creative and fun and innovative. Okay, so what are the things, what are the parts of the job that like are not probably what people are thinking of when they think of product development? What are those kind of like tasks that just have to be done as part of the, the role? Oh, I would say... One of the most challenging ones, you you might find an amazing product and you're like, we have to have this. This is great. We need to launch it immediately. You're, you start working on it. You're like, this is going to be so great. You have such big visions for it. Next thing you know, there's a new regulation that comes out that now this one specific raw material that really makes the formula is now not going to be compliant in Europe by the time you launch it. And you're, if you're a global brand, you're like, oh, great. Well, now how do I reformulate this or adjust this product in a way that it's still amazing, but now I can make it globally compliant again. And so that really impacts sometimes the texture, the color, the finish of the product. And there's, you have to learn that you can't really get too married to some of these things. And it's like, you, you see them as like your children, but then you have to realize like, okay, it's not going to be perfect Things are going to happen. I can't get too attached because there's it's ever-evolving space. And so a lot of the times when something launches, it might have been reformulated, you know, two to three times, even in certain moments. And so then people come in and they're like, oh, well, I wish this texture felt better. I wish this was whatever. And you're like, oh my gosh, if you only knew how much we did to try to get there and to get to that place, there's so much more that goes on in the background of having to be globally compliant having to make sure that you're on trend and trying to really still differentiate yourself and stay within your own brand identity. So let's talk about these product children. Um, In your whole career, like what are the three products that you're just so have been so proud to be a part of bringing to life? That's a hard one. One of them I have to say. You have to pick favorites. (laughs) Yes. So one of them I have to say is probably the kickoff to my career and my start that really helped to pivot how I viewed things and the risks that I took and helping, I think, me to have a little bit more of credibility, I guess, when I was at Smashbox. And I started with this shade called Punked. And it, it was a shade lineup of 35 lipsticks. And in, I was like, we have to have this like purple gray. And I had one of the marking girls really supporting me on it. But like artistry, everybody else that usually does is usually really supportive on fun colors like that. They're like, I don't know about this shade. I don't know about these other things. And they're like, I, I just don't know this, this, I don't know about this gray. So they, I really pushed for it. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be fired if this doesn't work. And they put it in tier three, put it in the bottom. It's like a really nice deep gray with a purple undertone. And at that time, Purples were a little bit more, uh, grays were a little bit more white or blue, and they didn't really have that purple undertone, which makes it a little bit more universal. I know it's crazy to say for a gray, but it did so well that they had to stop production to of the other shades to produce more of that shade. And it was sold out everywhere. Sephora came to us and asked for a franchise of just that shade. So then we are doing an eyeshadow palette. We're doing lip liners, liquid lipsticks, everything. And it was all inspired off of literally a shade 
And it, so it wasn't like an innovative formula or anything like that. I mean, the formula is amazing that it was put in, but it was just off of really having like a gut instinct or a love for this one specific shade that turned into something so much bigger. And that one shade, I helped that and a couple other products. I was nominated by Estee Lauder to be a um, fashion group international rising star award. And that's like somebody that makes an impact in their first five years of their career. And I was nominated with that as one of the products and actually won the award, which was so great. Uh, and so I think that's one of, I would say that's one of my like close to the heart ones. That was like a really first experience that I'll never forget of just like a shade turning into something so much bigger. Another one I would say is I really love the always on cream eyeshadow from Smashbox. That eyeshadow is great. You can use it. It's literally been tested for everywhere. I was like, how do you find a multi-use product, especially during COVID? How do you find a multi-use product and be on budget that performs well, lasts long, has a full range of shades and does everything you want it to do. And this one product you can apply on your brows. You can use as eyeliner, as eyeshadow, as blush. You can use it for so many things. It's like your one product on the go. So that's an exciting one. And then sadly, there's one that I loved so much and was so great that was never launched. And I am still obsessed with it. People still to this day will reach out to me and say, can you remember that one product that people that tried it in the office? They're like, I loved it. And a woman came up to me and she was telling me how her purse was stolen. And she was like, but that sample was in the purse. Like, do you have another one? Um, I can't even say what it is. And it's, it's hard. Maybe one day, maybe one day in the future it will come back, but it was such an amazing product. I wish, I wish it would have launched and it was so close. So I think that's another example, right? Of it not always happening. Right. And you just put it back into the universe. So maybe the mm-hmm. universe will bring it back to you and it will get to see the light of day. <laughs> so this, um, this color punk, is it still sold today? No, it's not sold any longer today. But yeah, it was a really cool shade. You can still Google it and still see like what it looks like. And mm-hmm. you never know, maybe maybe it could be rematched one day or another brand will match it or we will, who knows. But it was it was a really cool, really cool story and experience. So my last question for you in this part of the show is going to be probably what you get asked a lot by young people entering the industry. Like how do they get a job like yours, right? This seems like the coolest thing, right? You're um, at the intersection of like where the science and the arts happening, you're connecting with it probably every single department, every organization. You get to tap into cool trends that are permeating in fashion and music. So this is sounds like the coolest job. What is your advice to people who are seeking out um, a path similar to yours? I would say one, it takes a lot of passion and a lot of hard work. Um, but the biggest tip I would say is internships. I would say going and interning is, is really big because everybody can use an extra hand and use help. And it's like a great trial. I feel like for both of you, because the brand can see how well you perform and how you work and how you pick up on what you're, what you're learning in that environment. And then you can really gain experience from that and exposure from it. And it's, I think I did, I want to say sometimes two to three internships at a time while I was in college I, I know I was, I told you, I never, I never paused. <laughs> so I was doing so many internships at the same time, just to be able to get that exposure and to get those trials. And that's my advice I give to anybody until I present anywhere or speak anywhere. I always say to do internships and to really show your worth and show that next level and, and differentiate yourself. I love it. This is amazing. That wraps up our interview segment. Thank you, Kia, for your honest answers. Thank you. 
So our last part of the show, if fan questions, oh my God, there's so many here. I'm going to pick three and we'll see if we have time for more. Oh, this is such a good question. Um, back to your, the way you, you see your eye represent, your, the way your eyes represent color or understand color. So someone's asking, why do our eyes see it differently? Like, why am I not, why do I not see what you see? That is a good question. I think it's one just off of just your, I would say the way you see color in general, I feel like I even working with interns, it just naturally comes more to some than others. I know people that wear glasses and contacts that can still see color perfectly. So I don't really know if it's how great your eye vision is or what it is. I know that most people have three eye cones and those cones help you to see color. And I know that they even say there's actually like a rare genetics where only women can possibly have a fourth cone to help you see colors that others don't. And some people swear I have that. I don't know. I have never (laughs) tested it and I'm definitely not claiming that. I think it would be interesting to find out, but they say some women can actually have a fourth cone and that helps even to see colors that others can't. So I would say one is just naturally what colors you see. And then two, it's over time taking like that time to experience and to see and to grow and understand what you're seeing and why. So if you see two shades look differently, it's understanding what's making it look differently so that you can start honing in on that. Like if you're looking at a blue or better example, let's say you're looking at a red, there's yellow reds and there's blue reds. And if you see that something looks like a deeper red, for instance, that could be either a cooler red or that can be a warmer red or even a deeper red, which means it can have more black in it, more blue in it, or more yellow in it. And so it's understanding kind of what that means, what you're seeing, and then having that experience to move forward, which helps you kind of pick it up and capture it faster. Maybe this is why it's so hard for someone like me to like pick out foundation and concealer shades. It's like so intense, right? It's almost like shopping for bras that fit well. Like it's like makes me sweat, right? Because I don't see the yellow and the this and the that. Like, I just don't, I know it's like, maybe it doesn't, maybe it doesn't look right. Or maybe it does. Or, you know, it's just so hard. It's so stressful. You're, you're asking me, how do you figure out which one is the best one? Well, I guess because I, I probably can't see color the way you can. So mm-hmm. I can't differentiate as much, right? So I'm trying to figure out as a customer, what shade is right for me. Mm-hmm. And to self-evaluate when I can't see see the complexities of these colors that you know someone in your positions made right I just see all these shades and maybe like a handful of them could work but I don't know enough about the difference between them to know to really pinpoint what's right for me right oh so I would say that your undertone plays a big role in that so if you're if you're more of a warmer undertone cooler undertone you kind of want to lean towards those shades because they complement you more overall I would say have fun right? Because it's makeup. So overall, I would say other than your foundation, don't have too much fun with your foundation. (laughs) You want to match that. But when it comes to like eyeshadows and lipsticks and things like that, you do want to have more fun, I would say for your artistry. But in general, you do want to, I would say, choose ones if you're more on the yellow side, you do want to choose more warmer shades. And if you're on the cooler side, you want to choose like a little, maybe ones that are a little bit cooler, a little bit more gray, a little bit more blue, maybe a little bit more dirty. And those really will complement you better and not wash you out too much. But you never go wrong going more like on the neutral side if you're unsure. Here's a really interesting question from Gabby. What is your favorite thing about your career? I would say the creativity. I, I love the creativity behind it. And I think being a, you know, a woman of color, uh, I never really found a product that I was like, this is exactly my shade. And this is, I've always had a mix and match. And so 
even not just the shape, but even the formulations, like some, you know, certain, certain cultures have uneven pigmentation of lips and things like that. So I love being able to have a voice and have an impact on products that are being made and put into this industry that can really help a wide range of everybody, every ethnicity, every gender, and really create products for everybody. Dev has a really good question. What is part of your daily routine that we might not expect? Oh, I, that I, you wouldn't expect. Maybe um, I'm obsessed with like body butters and body oils. I just like soak myself in it to the point of me being like, I'm probably getting a little carried away. I get in my car and I'm like, <laughs> maybe I put too much today when I see it on the leather. <laughs> oh, but that's my, I would say that's my biggest thing. Like, I just love after showering, just covering myself in body oils and body butters. I don't know if, it, yeah, I don't know if it's a good or bad thing when we're walking around shiny and <laughs> glowing, but it makes me feel good. <laughs> That's awesome. And I think you should keep it up and <laughs> your your clothes will survive this. Yes, <laughs> possibly. Okay, I think we have time for one more question. Oh, this is such a good one. So the first part of the question is, how how else do you find artists and inspire you? But the second part is, what is your explore page like? Mm, probably like somebody that has like ADD and ADHD. <laughs> it's, it's all over the place. It has everything on there from, uh, I would say, workouts, doing athletic sports, travel, food, fashion, different makeup artists, makeup looks, uh, recipes for different types of meal. Like I feel like there's everything on there that you could possibly think of. I don't, yeah, I, I think it's a little crazy looking realistically. <laughs> Artist. I love this question. So thank you. This is actually an amazing bunch of questions. So fans, kudos to you for thinking so sharply. Yeah, I want to say thank you. This was so amazing. You were our 230th episode. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was great. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad that you made it so comfortable because I've been really nervous. Oh, <laughs> well, I'm glad that you um, joined us. I have a feeling that you might have a lot of people jumping into your LinkedIn to ask more questions about your career. It sounds fascinating. And I'm so proud of you for, you know, going after your ambitions and pursuing them and um, finding all the angles to get what you want, like multiple internships at one time. This is <laughs> this is a new one. I haven't heard that one before. This is awesome. Thank you for sharing your wisdom. Thank you so much for having me. Congrats on your podcast. I look forward to continue listening. Thank you. And thank you so much to our fans for joining us. If you like this episode, please rate and review. As always, make sure you're following us on your favorite podcast platform and Instagram to stay up to date on upcoming episodes and all the fun we have along the way. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Where Brains Meet Beauty with Jody Katz. Tune in again for more authentic conversations with beauty leaders.